We are in our second week of Advent, and we are reminded of the fact that God has become a person, and and we've been reflecting on the the idea of Emmanuel. It's really neat. For better or worse, I had not considered the reading, and this is the second week this has happened, but I had not considered the reading when I was was selecting the text, and so I was thinking about, okay, what's a good text to, to talk about Christmas and talk about Jesus Christ, and I actually picked... Well, maybe God picked, but uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And so we're going to look at that again today as we consider what it looks like for Jesus to be Emmanuel, God with us. So if you could stand with us, we, we, we like to read the scripture. It's good for us to hear the words of God rolling off our lips and rolling off the lips of our neighbors. We're going to read from Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This is the word of the Lord to us. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you love us to such a degree that you would not stay away from us. You would not be just a transcendent God, a distant God, a deity, but you you are imminent. You are present. You are God with us. From the garden, you've been present with us. Lord, you, you were present with us at the t- in the tabernacle. Lord, in, in the temple, you were present with us through your prophets. You were present with us through your kingship, and you were present with us in Christ Jesus. Would you open our eyes to see your glory, as we sang earlier? Would you help us to appreciate your presence to bless? That you were present with a particular purpose to bless us, to deal with our deepest needs and greatest problems. God, would you meet each individual in this room uniquely this morning by your spirit. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So we see the story of Jesus Christ beginning with the story of Joseph and Mary. And there's this this interaction that, that really shapes much of, of Jesus' life, this reality that, that he is not Joseph's blood son. And if we were to step back, the, the book of Matthew begins with this long genealogy, and it goes from uh, Abraham all the way to David and then to Joseph. And, and Matthew is a, a good... Uh, pious Jew at this point, um, 
And he, he's speaking to Jews. And so he's trying to give them a picture of understanding from Abraham to David, to whom this, this promise of kingship, of a throne that would be forever, of a kingdom that would last forever, now comes to Joseph. And we see that Joseph uh, becomes the adoptive father of, of Jesus Christ. But it doesn't just start there in a very whimsical, happy way. It actually starts in a bit of a, a scandal. We, we look at verse 18, it says, the, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. And, and the word their birth really can, it means origin, starting point. So we, we're not really starting with the birth, we're starting with conception. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph had to be convinced of that fact. The reality was he was betrothed, he was engaged to this woman and found that she was pregnant. Now, in most circumstances, I would say every other situation in which a man and woman are engaged and she is found to be with child, there's a problem. You know, you, it doesn't take a lot of math or a lot of schooling to understand that some shady business has, has happened. Some bad things have occurred. And so, and, and it's even worse in this situation because uh, uh, Joseph and, and Mary, they, they weren't just engaged. Uh, betrothal was not the same thing as engagement. Betrothal was as good as marriage without the consummation thereof. It, it, it was everything except for that. And so uh, it, it's so serious that even in verse 19, Joseph is, 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 is communicated as described as her husband. Not her fiance, not her betrothed, but her husband, because that is how legally binding a betrothal was. And so this is a serious situation that Joseph finds himself in, where he realizes, you know, barring an act of God, which we'll find out is the case, barring an act of God, we, we've, got, we've got a problem in this relationship. And so he finds out that she's pregnant, and he knows that he's not the father, and and Matthew makes that clear because he says it's before they had come together. It's a nice way of saying before they had consummated their, their relationship. So he comes up with his plan. He comes up with his plan and, and he begins to think. Being a just man, it says in verse 19, and unwilling to put her to shame. He loves this woman. He cares about her. His heart is broken, but he's unwilling to, to put her through the, the public shame and disgrace that he's legally capable of doing in this culture. You know, I think in our, our culture, we don't realize because divorce is something that's fairly common and it, 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 the, the level of shame that's, that's brought about in our culture is very low compared to here. But he could have done pretty terrible things to her legally. But he, he's unwilling to do so because he's just and he's loving. And, he, and so it says, being, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, he revol- resolved to divorce her quietly. He resolved to do it quietly. Have you ever found yourself in a terrible situation that was not of your own doing? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you're having to maneuver and readjust to what's happened around you? This is not because of your own sin. It's not because of your mistakes. It's because of the mistakes of other people that are very directly impacting your life. 
Or, or maybe you found yourself in a situation where you're a bit more like Mary, where your, your life, now, not, not her decisions, but her life was impacting Joseph's life negatively. Maybe you found yourself in a situation where your life is negatively impacting the people around you, the people about you that you care about most. And, and so you're, you're involved with the, the planning, the scheming, the trying to figure out how do we navigate this thing? How do we navigate this thing? <coughs> Excuse me, sorry. God will allow us to experience pain and pressure of difficult situations. I would love to say that, that part of becoming a Christian is that now all your, your, your pathways are, are laden with flowers and, and grass and there's no health problems and, and everyone skips because that's just how happy you are all the time. Your knees don't hurt. You, you, your, your back doesn't hurt. You don't get sick. You don't get upset because everyone treats you nicer and you have money, lots of money. That's not what God promises. Now, the Bible does talk about provision and, and health, and, and, but, but God's way is not our way. He'll let us go through struggles. He'll go, let us go through challenges. And when he's, when he's ready, he gives us a better way. So God provides Joseph with a better plan. Look at verse, verse 20 and 21 with me. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now, it's, this is, I mean, this is weird. I mean, let's just, let's just be honest about this. He goes to sleep, wakes up, sees an angel, and, and when the Bible talks about angels, it's not a little baby with wings, you know, playing a harp, saying, you know, let's talk, buddy. You know, it's not this little potbelly baby. No, this is, every time in the Bible that you see angels, there's a sense of awe, often a sense of fear, a sense, I'm going to die. I mean, w w one person, you know, would respond by, by hitting the floor in fear. <clears throat> and so he has this dream, this angel shows up, and, and he says, hey, take, take a breath, take a moment, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. And he, he addresses Joseph and he says, son of David. And, and right in that, that little son of David, the angel is giving Joseph a picture of the future that Jesus had. The angel was saying, you know, there's something about your lineage that's important to the life of this child. There's a purpose that God has for this child that you didn't even know about that began long before you ever came on the scene, Joseph. And Matthew had made that clear earlier, and, and you know, we, we look at genealogies and say, well, that's boring. Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac was the father of Jacob, Perez, and Zerah, and Tamar. But he had a very real purpose in, in presenting that lineage, because he was saying, God had made a promise to Abraham to be a blessing to the nations. That blessing came all the way through David. God made a promise to David, I'm going to make your kingdom a kingdom that lasts forever. There's going to be a king on your throne forever. And then we get to Joseph, and Joseph is looking around and just saying, I'm just a guy. But no, the angel says, no, I've got a purpose that began before the foundations of the world that involves you. Now, we're not Joseph's necessarily. We don't necessarily fall within the line of David. Really, Jesus kind of is the, the climax of that whole thing. But, but God does have a purpose for your life. 
that he planned before the foundations of the world. And as you look at your life and your situations and you find yourself frustrated by the the plans that you're having to make as adjustments around other people's poor decisions, let me encourage you, God has a plan and purpose that he planned before the foundations of the world. Your life is not meaningless. Your life is not purposeless. Your life is not without glory. God has something for you in it. So he says, Jesus, or not Jesus, sorry, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. He addresses Joseph as the son of David, and we, and we talked about that. So Joseph would, would adopt Jesus, bringing him legally into the line of David. He would fulfill the promise that God made to, to David to establish. The, the angel then addresses, uh, addresses Joseph's per, imperfect plan. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. You know, he's thinking, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. How am I going to get the, out of this situation so that she experiences the least amount of shame and I experience the least amount of shame? And, and the angel says, well, time out on your play. I've got a better plan. And as I said, as I said before, God will put you in situations where you have to uh, uh, figure out or try your best to figure out how do I get out of this situation. He will allow you to create a plan, a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, you know, how am I going to do this? How am I going to live life well? Only to come back and say, I've got a better plan. Yeah, Only to say, you know what? You, you actually didn't have all the details. He's fine with that. I mean, if, and, and if you hold your plans like this, let me encourage you, you need to loosen your hands, your fingers up. Because this is the scripture that best laid plans, that, that idiom is based on. I mean, not really, but, but it might as well be. Your best laid plans, God's going to say, oh, that's funny. That's funny. Let me tell you what's really going to happen. He, he, tells him, he tells him the plan. Rather than being, well, he explains, rather than being a result of adultery, this child is conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. This child was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit, which whether or not Joseph believes that is the clearest mark of faith I could ever imagine. Because frankly, that sounds crazy. Right? This, this dream sounds, the dream sounds like the dream of, of someone who ate some bad pizza. But, but we see that he's vindicated later on. So what is God's plan? God's plan is for him to take Mary as his wife and adopt this child and not only this, he, he was to help this child walk in this child's purpose. Joseph would name him Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. I love the gospel. I love the gospel because God promises to bring about wholeness, completeness, where there was brokenness. He, he promises to bring about health where there was sickness. He promises to bring about reunited relationships where there was brokenness and, and strife and anger and bitterness. But most of all, family, Jesus came to save sinners. You see, the, the greatest problem that you and I have is one that we don't like to talk about. We're not as necessarily as shy about the fact that, oh man, my, my back hurts and I need God to save me and heal me. You know, oh man, I've got, I've got family members who are real jerks. I need God to bring about reconciliation. But to be able to say, oh man, I am my own worst problem, and, and I, I stand up here as my own worst problem. I'm not saying you guys have this problem. We have this problem in which God exists and he loves us 
and we choose to disobey him, that's sin. And, and when, you, when you dishonor someone who is infinitely honorable, there's, there's a condemnation and a judgment that comes. It's not my judgment. It's not the judgment of Eddie Barnes. It's the judgment of God who created all things and, and sets things in motion and, and creates the rules. You know, I, I use this analogy. I used to use it when I was talking to teenagers, talking about, you know, why does God have to, to punish us? Why does God, what does that mean? And, and I would say, you know, Billy, because it's always Billy. If you were to come up here while I'm speaking and you were to smack me in the face, I would ask you to leave. Maybe with some gusto. And I would talk to your parents. And we'd have to make a plan about what, what your future involvement with the youth ministry would be like. And that would be the extent of the judgment. Now, if you were to go, and at the time it was President Barack Obama, um, and you were to somehow make your way through all the security, get before the president and slap him in the face, you might die, right? You might get shot, you might get pummeled. And now, the thing about it is it's the same action, but the person against whom the offense comes is held in a greater level of honor. The president is more honorable. He's held at a higher level of honor than I am. Now, The problem with sin, the reason why Jesus came to save sinners is that we have smacked in the face someone who is infinitely honorable. Let that sink in. We have smacked in the face face through our disobedience someone who is infinitely honorable. Take all the honor you could offer over your lifetime and that's not enough. And so we see that we have a real problem. And Jesus had a solution. So Joseph was invited to God's plan to save his people from their sins. Have you heard God's plan today? Have you responded to God's plan? Are you in a a Joseph type situation where where you're trying to create an imperfect plan? And, And how do you, if that's the case, how do you respond when you hear God's better plan? Do you, you say, well, that sounds, that, that sounds like the, the machinations of someone who's had too much bad pizza and gone to sleep and had a weird dream. Or do you understand that, no, God has, has come and spoken. Joseph was faced with the decision that he had to make. He had to look at God's plan, and it's a plan that really was, was prophesied long ago. If you look with me at verse 22, Matthew says this, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, I just want to take a quick little jaunt down memory lane. So, Matthew, if you read the book of Matthew, he's going to make multiple allusions, mentions of of Old Testament prophecies, because he's speaking to a Jewish audience. They've read the Old Testament, they understand it, and he's trying to say, when you read the Old Testament, you really do see Jesus. And so this is one of those occasions where he says, go look in the book of Isaiah. He mentions the prophet. They would have understand Isaiah. If you look at in, in Isaiah, and last week we talked about Isaiah chapter 9 and, and, and this person who would be the, you know, the, the counselor and the mighty God. And that's the same person to whom he's referring to here. It would have been Isaiah chapter 7. And in this situation, Isaiah chapter 7, uh, you had this bad king. 
Ahaz. He was an evil king. He was a wicked king. He did not trust God. And Ahaz was, was the king of the southern king, kingdom, Judah. Stick with me. I know that some of you are like, this is not Christmas. Just, just kind of buckle up. Let's do this. Come on. You can do this with me. He was the king of the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was even worse. And the northern kingdom had, had, had uh, partnered up with Syria. And they were, they were basically going to say, we're going to go after school. And we're going to punch Judah in the face. And we're going to take all his lunch money. That's what was planning to happen. They were coming to, and they were, going to, they were going to pounce on the southern kingdom. They were going to take it up, split it up, uh, and, and divide the profits. And, and Judah knew this. And he was a small, crony, scrawny kid. He was freaked out. Now, he had God, and God was like, I can do this, I can help you, I'm a big guy, I, I work out, and, and I can take these guys. And, he, and, and, and Ahaz basically said, I don't trust you, I'm going to go over there, that guy is Syria, he's huge, do you see how much he benches? And, and God's like, I mean, I'm God, I bench a lot, I mean, I bench the whole world all the time. All of creation, stars, you don't even know how heavy stars are, they're super heavy. But he's like, no, 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 Assyria, I mean... Have you seen his tanks? They're the real, they go all the way down to here. You see his belly and the arms and it's basically just two straps. He's huge. He benches all day. And so, this is, this is a, a, a paraphrase. <laughs> it's a side note. But look in Isaiah chapter seven and maybe it'll be more interesting when you read it. And so Ahaz basically says, I, you know, I'm gonna go to Assyria. I'm gonna partner with this, this pagan nation and and I'm gonna save my, my country this way. And so a prophet, Isaiah, is sent to him and says, hey, do you want a sign? Let me give you a, let me give you a sign that God's gonna meet with you. And he, he actually replies, he says, oh, uh, uh, God doesn't want us to test him. And what he was really saying is, oh, I'm gonna use my religion uh, to, to back you off. You ever had someone do that? Or have you ever done that? How's your life doing? Well, you know, I, I'm praying a little bit less, but that's okay. And uh, uh, I have read my Bible today. And, and what, what do you think about uh, uh, the end times? Like, why are we talking about the end times? I'm asking how your life is. Are you obeying God? Well, but uh, do you believe in the rapture? That, that's what he was doing. He was, he was saying, you know, I'm, I, I don't want to test God. And, and Isaiah was saying, no, I got a plan for, I got a sign for you. He ends up saying, I've got a sign for you, whether you want it or not. And he says, the sign is going to be this. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, for Ahaz, this idea, Emmanuel, God with us, the whole principle behind that was that God was going to show up. God was going to be with him, present. But the problem was, for Ahaz, there was no faith, so his presence was not a good thing. And, and, and bad things ended up happening in Judah. Now, God restored them and, and we see a promise. But, but when, we, when we hear this, you know, we, we kind of jump to, oh yay, Emmanuel, let's go to the Christmas tree and, and open up some presents and drink some eggnog. It's, it's Christmas time, Emmanuel. And, and that's true if you see Jesus as the better plan for your life. It's true if you trust Jesus as the better sacrifice for your life. It's true if you understand that Jesus is your righteousness, that, that there's no amount of righteousness, no, there's no amount, uh, amount of planning, there's no amount of, of, of good works that can overcome the sin problem in your own life. That Emmanuel is God with us. Thank you, God's mercy, judgment, or mercy, grace, uh, uh, save, salvation. But 
If you're like Ahaz and you're like, you know what, I don't know if I have faith in you, God. I, you know, I hear that you, you work out, but I'm going to trust this thing over here. Then, then his presence is something very different. In fact, John talks about it in, in chapter 3. One of the most famous verses is followed by one of the probably least known and poorly liked verses. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. God is Emmanuel. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, offering eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Listen to this, guys. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. And this is his judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved the darkness. Ahaz loved his own plan better. He heard the word of the prophet and he, it wasn't that he didn't know that this was from God. He knew this was from God. He thought he knew better than God. Have you ever had that conversation with God? You know, you shouldn't live your life this way. You should really repent of this sin. Well, God, but, but really, you know, I got a better plan. You know, I know you say that adultery is wrong, but is it? I know that you say that, that I need to live with integrity and not lie to my employer, but I mean, you know. They don't need all those staples. They don't need all those papers and pens. And this is the judgment. The light is coming to the world and the people love darkness rather than the light because of their works, of e- their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes into the light so they may clearly be seen that his works have been carried out in God. Family, the, the sad part of Emmanuel, and I, I don't like to think about it because I, I don't like to bum us out, but the reality is that we have a real problem and the problem is sin. The problem is not this external thing or that external thing or this external thing, although there are real problems in the world. I don't mean to diminish the brokenness of our world, but the brokenness of our world will never be fixed if we don't address the root cause, which is sin. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He's made provision for the stain of sin in my life, for the stain of sin in your life. He's made a way for, for you and I to have a relationship with God the Father. Because of our sin, we are separated from God. We are, we are distant from him. We have a particular kind of negative relationship with him. But, but God loves us despite that negative relationship and he sends his son in order that that relationship might be restored. The sin that separates us might be taken on the cross, paid for by the blood of Christ in order that we might receive the righteousness that is a bridge from us to God. We can never build the bridge from us to God. But Jesus did. He's made a way for us. How have you responded? When you hear the words Emmanuel, when you think of God with us, do you think of it as God with us who has a better plan? Or do you think of it as God with us who's meddling with my good plan? How does Joseph respond? We're almost done, family. How does he respond? When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Joseph's response was direct and immediate. He changed his plan. He took 
Mary as, as his wife, and in order to, to, to prevent any sort of uh, con- confusion about the situation with Jesus, they didn't consummate their marriage relationship until after he was born. If you don't know what that means, talk to your parents. <laughs> he obeys. And today, I, I believe that the word of God is asking us, how will you respond? Yeah. How will you respond to Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus comes into the world to bring grace, to bring love, to bring peace, to bring hope. But he's the only way. And and he dictates a particular specific way. That way is that we turn from our way, we turn from our desire to determine what's right and wrong, we turn from our ability to say, this is how I have to live my life, we turn away from our ability to say, this is my purpose, and we turn to God and say, God, what's your plan? What's your plan, God? How have you responded to him and his plan? Let's pray. God, I thank you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And I thank you that there's so much hope, there's so much joy, there's so much peace, there's so much grace, there's so much mercy in those words. And God, I pray that the people in this room would respond in in faith, unlike Ahaz and like Joseph, that they would respond believing that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, that no one comes to the Father except through him, that they would believe that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him and trusts in him would have eternal life, that they would believe that he came to save sinners, that he came to save sinners, that he came to pour out his blood for the sake of sinners, that his blood is the propitiation, the satisfaction that satisfies the wrath of God, the righteous, good wrath of God that is against those who sin against him. Would you respond today in faith? If you want to trust God today, if you want to trust in Jesus Christ, if you want to trust his plan today, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray with you. There's nothing magical about raising your hand. Awesome. Once your hand's up, you can put it back down. I see those hands. Praise God. Just pray this with me. God, I submit my imperfect plan to you. I submit my ultimate imperfect plan of trying to save myself. I recognize that I am a sinner, that I've broken your law, and I thank you that you've made a provision for me in Jesus Christ. I trust in Jesus, his life, his death, and his resurrection as the way to a relationship with you. And I trust that you have a better plan for my life. Thank you. Love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that was you, if you prayed that prayer, please, please don't run out of here. Please don't, just, just take a moment, grab someone beside you if you don't want to talk to someone up front, but if you don't want to be up front, I understand there's some introverts in the room. That's cool. Find someone to talk to today and to figure out what, what the next step is. We've said God, what's your plan? But don't run out without listening to what his plan is, right? Family, I love you so much. Love you so much. Merry Christmas.